0: Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.
1: Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Erin Bookie, and this week we've got special guest Bud Kennedy of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram with us to talk about the state of the Fort Worth food and restaurant scene. Are the old favorites still going strong, and how do the bold newcomers fit in? It all gets started right after this.
0: Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook-foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com.
1: Welcome back everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for information on our show and additional food and drink stories. We'd love for you to share your thoughts with us as well at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. In a quick request for returning Eat Drink DFW listeners, if you keep coming back for new episodes and enjoy what you're hearing, please leave a very nice review on Apple Podcasts. We'd sure appreciate it. We're kicking off the show today with food writers Sarah Blaskovich, Claire Baller, and Imelda Garcia to share the latest restaurant news. So Sarah, one of the biggest things in recent weeks was the reopening of Barsadis. So Barsadis is known to many as Carbone's.
2: This is an 11-year-old Italian restaurant on Oaklawn Avenue in Highland Park. It was a family place, a place for Sunday gravy and for spaghetti and meatballs and bolognese lasagna. And as many of our listeners probably know, the owner of Carbone's sued the company behind Carbon. Carbone, because understandably, those are two company names that are very confusing. And they both happen to be right off of Oaklawn Avenue in two different neighborhoods of Dallas. Right. So uh, that lawsuit is over. It's settled. And essentially, the smaller restaurant Carbone's, the one that's been there for 11 years, made a settlement agreement behind closed doors. We don't know all the details, but they agreed to close and rebrand. So what we're seeing now is the new Barsades, the old Carbone's, has the soul of the old place, but a new dining room, a larger menu, and a new name.
1: Cool, and so it's the same size, the restaurant is, they just sort of redecorated and- It is the same size
2: and it's one of those wow moments. If you ever like redesign your living room and get a different size couch or like two freestanding chairs instead of the loveseat, it is wild if you go into the new Barsatis how it's exactly the same size, but feels like a totally new space. It feels, I would say, twice as big. And one of the great things they've added are, gosh, six or eight, six top booths. So if you have kids or if you're comfortable sitting close to your friends, a six person booth, so three on each side, they have tons of them now with the idea that you're going to come, you're going to share all this pasta, you're going to order some wine. Now they have a full bar so you can get cocktails, too, and you can do that in larger groups than you used to.
1: That's cool. And so what have they added new to the menu? And what were some of those old favorites that people would riot if they didn't keep?
2: When I went to visit the restaurant, Julian Barsati, you know, the namesake of this mm-hmm. new restaurant name, he wrote all over the paper menu. And it's it's really kind of sweet to see in one page what's old and what's new. So some of the dishes that I mentioned, the Sunday gravy, the lasagna bolognese, several of the salads and some of the soups still there. And people love to come for those. They also had daily specials and almost all of those daily specials are now permanently on the menu. So if you were a Thursday porchetta sandwich at lunch person, you can now find that porchetta sandwich at lunch every day. So they just were able to make some some little shifts like that. There's also a permanent addition of linguine with white clam sauce, which is Julian Barsati's favorite. And the general manager, Jonathan Netzel, had a lot to do with this new menu introduction. People who went to Carbone's a lot knew Jonathan. He's still there. Many of the cooks are still there. They're making ricotta and mozzarella in the kitchen. They are making all their own pasta. For me, this is kind of a happy ending to what was a red sauce saga of 2022.
1: Yeah, that was a very intense saga.
2: Yeah, and it's hard for anybody watching that lawsuit. It was difficult first of all to watch any sort of food fight happen, but then also watch an established, fairly long-time restaurant essentially have to be the one that makes the changes. Mm-hmm. So what you hope comes out of it is a better place that still has some of the things you love about it, and I
1: think Barsadis has achieved that. Good for them, and I hope everyone checks out the new Barsadis. So Amelda, you also had an interesting story in recent weeks. <laughs>
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> She's getting ready. I'm cheating myself. She was like pumping herself up. <laughs> okay. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, this was, this was so interesting. And thank you for jumping on this story. But there was an artist, a muralist, who tweeted about a week ago that the city of Arlington wanted them to remove their mural of the famous Texas Rangers fight.
3: The city government asked Jose Ruiz, he's the owner of Hilberto's uh, Taco Shop, to remove this mural painted by the artist Juan Velasquez, in which he painted Rognet Odor, a former Texas Rangers player hitting Jose Bautista, So many thought that the city wanted to remove the mural for showing a punch or a fight. But actually what happened is that the city of Arlington only allows murals in downtown and in the entertainment district. And Gilberto's Taco Shop is on Park Road Drive. So it's away from those areas. Finally, after Juan Velasquez provoked this reaction from hundreds of people on social and the media went to talk to the owner and the artist, the city decided that the mural could stay. Juan Velázquez said he will start a movement to change the city code to allow murals beyond those areas to have more art and more culture in the community.
1: I love it. I love that you called City of Arlington and they're like, actually, no, it's fine. Just, <laughs> just leave the mural. But I also love what the taco shop owner said about the mural is that it's a real piece of the culture and that he wanted to bring attention to baseball again.
3: For him, it's like very important that young people go and see this mural as an inspiration for them to return to baseball, to go to the games. And he called the city of Arlington to say, you know what, you always have been like very supportive to my business. Please support me in this because it's important for me and for my community.
1: It was kind of like another happy ending. We got the Barsadi's happy ending and the Arlington Taco Shop mural happy ending. And now maybe there will be a lot more art in the city of Arlington. Also,
4: that mural was just so well done. So it would have been sad if the city had decided to get rid of it. Have any
1: of you ever thought about how difficult
2: it would be to paint a mural? Yes, oh my gosh. (laughs) First of all, not a lot of visual artistic talent right over here for me. But then I think (laughs) about like the ladders and the size of a mural. I was in Mexico City recently and there are murals all along the highway and they're so intricate and huge and colorful. It made me smile. I felt like I learned a little bit about this city just by seeing some of the art on its walls. And then I was thinking, man, I couldn't do that at all. Yeah, it's, it's very impressive.
1: Yeah, his artwork is, I mean, it looked almost photorealistic. Yeah, like it was yeah. so accurate. Can we say amazing. the
3: artist's name one yeah, more time? It's Juan Velasquez, he has a lot of murals all over the state.
1: He's a great artist. Yeah, so if you guys want to see the, read the story, see the mural, see the video that Imelda took, please go to dallasnews.com slash food. So Claire, you kind of had the most fun story of the week, I think, a story about a new restaurant coming called Slutty
4: Vegan. <laughs> yeah. I just love bad words. I know. <laughs> and I'm glad we got to print it on DallasNews.com. Yeah, this is an Atlanta-based burger chain that has been around since 2018, I believe. And um, this is their first Texas location that they're opening, and they're bringing it to Deep Ellum. It's opening across the street from Pecan Lodge. Sometime this summer, kind of nebulous on the date. And this is like... A place that has proper burgers, like they, you would not know that they are vegan. They have burgers, they have Philly cheesesteaks, chili, chicken sandwiches, shrimp sandwiches, and everything's vegan.
2: Do they do the bad spelling on all of them? Is it like chicken without uh, the C in the middle or something? It's like, I yes. I yeah. so I think that's
4: a brand. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, unfortunately- I get that, it, it,
2: that you want to like not put an asterisk after everything because these yeah. are burgers asterisk. Right. Right. Because burgers are made with meat and I'm okay with the vegan part. I yep. just, I just have a trouble with the misspelling. So I'm yeah, thrilled agreed. that slutty vegan has, has stuck to the good words. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think most of the names of their dishes are just. One night stand and yeah. such. Yeah. Yeah. They're There's, along those lines. Yep.
2: I think I was blushing looking at the menu. Was, yeah, I, I was too. I didn't even write this
4: story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It was too. laughs> Yeah, so it's an exciting thing for people who don't eat meat or who are strictly vegan. And the thing that's exciting, too, is that this restaurant is opening after the city's lost several vegan restaurants recently. One in Deep Ellum, Tiki Loco closed, Spiral Diner in Oak Cliff closed. And these were vegan staples for people here in the city. So um, this is good news for those people looking for another vegan option. Have we heard yet from the folks who want to complain about how this is vegan junk food? I have not yet. But yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, totally. Is vegan junk food. I, I don't have an issue with that at all. I think that there's, I, I had read that, I think in your story, Claire, that the idea was she wanted a late night spot mm-hmm. to grab food. It wasn't about salads. Right. It wasn't about- Yes, this um, is not
4: a, you're not going to get a grain bowl here. Right. This is for people who do not eat meat or any animal products and want a greasy burger or- a loaded Philly cheesesteak. Asterisk. Asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) The photos, I mean, the food looks great. It'll be interesting to see what it's like in person. The cool thing is this started as an Instagram pop-up that um, the CEO Pinky Cole started out of her apartment and then became a food truck and then brick and mortar. And now I think this location will be the 11th location nationwide. Most of them are in the Atlanta area. I think there's one in New York. So we'll see how Texas receives it. I think there's an audience here for it.
1: I think so too. I think a lot of other vegan spots have opened up here. And there was even a big vegan food festival that really only goes to places like New York and Portland. And then it came to Dallas. So I think there is a market here for that. And I think especially in Deep Ellum, late night kind of food, I'd eat there. As a person who eats meat, I'd totally eat a vegan burger after a couple of cocktails. Yeah. And I think places like this, they're kind of for vegan people, but also they don't want to seem vegan. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to appeal to everyone so
4: vegan people can take their friends there. And a good spot for anyone looking to reduce meat consumption, too, without giving up burgers.
1: Thanks, everyone. Stick around as we're joined by Fort Worth legend Bud Kennedy. That's right after this. Welcome back, everyone. We have a special guest today, Bud Kennedy, longtime journalist at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He's covered sports, politics and the Fort Worth community for decades, but he's also been a food and dining columnist and has written his Eats Beat column since the 1980s. Welcome, Bud. How are you?
5: Hello, how are you?
1: You've been covering almost everything in Fort Worth for a long time. And so when did you start covering the food and dining scene?
5: Well, you know, I was a sports writer and I was a copy editor at the Morning News, as a matter of fact. I designed the first sports day sections and edited Skip Bayless and Randy Galloway when they were columnists. And Uh every night on the sports desk, they would bring in dinner from Jenny's Bishop Grill or from the original Dickies on Central Expressway. We would go places like Jay's Marine Grill and all the old legacy Dallas restaurants. Lucas B&B that your readers probably still remember and talk about. When you grew up in sports, though, you eat coaches' food and football food, and so you learn about chicken fried steak and barbecue and hamburgers. When I was in college, Texas Monthly came out with this great magazine cover, this list of the 10 best hamburgers in Texas. And, you know, my friends and I, we just decided we couldn't just trust what they said. We had to check their work. So we went around and had our own hamburger survey. So I started out interested in food. I was editor of The Weekend Guide and started writing about food in 1985 because we didn't have a dining critic at the time. So I just started writing news and notes about restaurants. I have a little bit of knowledge about food. My father was a pastry chef and a mess cook in the Army. When you see the movies about the Battle of of Anzio, this onshore landing where the troops are, are under fire as they're landing on shore, my father was the one who had just left the galley and the pots and pans up on shore, you know, in the middle of all this gunfire. And so, you know, my father was a mess cook who eventually was promoted to the general's kitchen. So he and I did all the grocery shopping when I was little. We would go through the grocery store and he would tell me, you know, what this did and what that did. He'd teach me a little bit about it. So I, I had a little bit of food knowledge from that and a lot of general interest in Texas food. I write a news and politics column and, you know, there's some history there. You know, my hero growing up in journalism, A.J. Liebling, the great writer for The New Yorker, would write about politics, world affairs, Europe, and then would write about where he ate in Paris on all his trips. Food and politics go together. If there's somebody I encounter out on the campaign trail who's mad at me about something I wrote, they'll still tell me where to get a good rib.
1: I love that. That's so, so very true. And so tell us a little bit about Fort Worth and how the food and dining scene has evolved there
5: Well, growing up in Fort Worth, we joke you always went to restaurants with house in the name. You went to all these restaurants that are gone now, like the Max House or the Carriage House or the River House. You know, pretty general locally owned steakhouses and Swiss House, another one that had several of the Swiss and German chefs who came over as country club chefs and eventually started their own restaurants. So when I started writing about food, I thought, well, what's Fort Worth known for? And so I turned to Jane and Michael Stern, the columnists for Gourmet Magazine. They write about regional character cuisine and local home cooking. And it turned out Fort Worth is kind of a headquarters of local regional cuisine. In Jane and Michael Stern's good uh, road food guides, Mm -hmm. you know, west of the Mississippi, the, the city with the most restaurants listed that really exemplify local cuisine. This is no surprise, San Francisco. The city with the next most restaurants that really exemplify that region is Santa Fe. That's no surprise. Mm-hmm. The city in the west with the third most restaurants listed was Fort Park. They listed Pincaid's Hamburgers, Massey's Chicken Fried Steak, which is gone. Cattleman's, more for the decor than for the steak. Uh, Joe T. Garcia's, you know, Angelo's, which was where, you know, Stanley Marcus would have ribs from Angelo's Ship, you know, not from any Dallas restaurant. And so they listed all these barbecue and home cooking and Tex-Mex restaurants from Fort Worth. So that's what Fort Worth was known for. It's evolved over the years. There was a big dramatic moment not long after I started writing about restaurants when Fort Worth landed its first Del Frisco's and the prime Mm -hmm. steakhouse came to Fort Worth. That was a great breakthrough, like we had really achieved something. And about that same time, Riatta opened, and we had the Southwestern cuisine that broke through. And then you started having chefs come out of Riata, like Tim Love and go on to open other restaurants.
1: Yeah, one thing I, I like about Fort Worth, it seems that Fort Worth really holds on to those restaurants that really reflect its identity, but has made room for a lot of the new places to come in. Where do you think the the Fort Worth food scene is right now?
5: I think now there are so many people who are just fascinating in what they're doing and bringing so many ideas to Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. One of the restaurants from Dallas is coming over. Musa will be opening in the next few weeks downtown. But we have Adam Jones from Grace. He's opened a really flashy Italian restaurant, 61 Asteria. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Quincey San Miguel, known as the the greatest patio setting, ranked in one of the travel magazines in the world. Well, their their second location is on the Trinity River in Fort Worth. Don Artemio has been a great success because Don Artemio, I think, is a little bit of everything. It's a lunch restaurant with interior Mexico specialties. It's a brunch restaurant. And then it has a, the steaks at dinner.
1: I know there have been a couple of restaurants that have closed recently in Fort Worth. And Imelda was going to ask you about one of those.
3: Yeah. Hi, Bob. This is Imelda. We have, hi, Imelda. Uh, some days ago, Chef Dustin Lee from Beast & Co. And he told us, that, and I quote, Fort Worth is not a real food city. Because he said that people don't support the great restaurants in the city. What do you think about that?
5: I think that uh, Dustin came and opened a restaurant that had some problems. First of all, I think the real heartbreak is that La Onda closed. Victor Villarreal's restaurant that uh, oh. was trying to do a high-end seafood that drew some very high ratings but was also in a very difficult location. Uh, I think a problem with both of these restaurants was price point. I think that the price point was too high to draw people for weeknights or when it's not a, a special occasion kind of dining. I thought with the Beast and Company, they located on Magnolia in an older, what used to be a hipster district, but now it's a maturing district, kind of like Bishop Arts. Uh, you know, Magnolia is across the street from uh, Gus's Fried Chicken, down the street from Paris Coffee Shop, across the street from uh, Brewed Brunch and Conoroso Pizzeria, uh, there's only one fine dining restaurant on the street, uh, Ellerby, which draws heavily from the west side and which has a just a pristine reputation. So uh, I think maybe that wasn't the best location to try to open. But you look at the menu and, and uh, people saw pork collar for $41, rabbit saddle for $35, lobster bisque for $25. You know, If it's a chef they don't know and a restaurant they don't know, they're probably not going to go give it a try when they can go to all these other new restaurants that we just talked about. There are so many new restaurants that have just opened in so many places to spend that kind of money that they know a little bit more about what they're getting. Uh, We have a lot of restaurants opening at one time. And I've always said Fort Worth really loves to have hip and cool restaurants, but we can only handle about one at a time. (laughs) You know, You spread them out a little bit more for us, please. (laughs) Right, right. I'm really sad that La Onda and the Beast, you know, everything I know about the Beast, they tried hard, but it really kind of misfired in that location.
2: Following up on that, Bud, this is Sarah. The comment was made, I, I think we all heard it, that Fort Worth isn't a food city. What's your response to that?
5: I mean, Fort Worth is a different kind of food city from Houston, from Dallas. You all know that all these cities are different. Houston is a great international food city. Everything in Houston is centered around, you know, who can make the best Laotian kolaches. I mean, it's a wonderful blending of all the flavors of Texas and all the flavors of the world. Dallas is so driven by fashion and design. That really is not something that Fort Worth is very interested in. Fort Worth is a real food city. It's where the food has to be good and the prices have to be realistic.
1: So what are some up-and-coming neighborhoods, like where should people go in Fort Worth right now to check out?
5: Well, you know, I think South Main Village is kind of the new Magnolia. Magnolia is matured and South Main Village now with Wishbone and Flint is kind of where some of the newer restaurants and bars are. I think one of the best little places in uh, Archie's Garden Land on the far west side of Fort Worth, which is a big garden center. Now, Kevin Martinez from Tokyo Cafe has opened Heirloom in the middle of it. It is a little daily lunch restaurant in the middle of a garden center. You have J.D.'s Hamburgers and Dane's Barbecue across the street from each other. They just won Best Burgers. Had a burger cook-off here. Dane's, I think, is consistently the best burger in town. J.D.'s is new. It's a manager from Riata who opened that. So, that's where you find burgers and barbecue. I think heirloom's interesting. There's so much that's going to grow on the west side as the Walsh Ranch in Parker County grows like our version of a suburban development. You know, Walsh Ranch, everything from West Fort Worth to Alito will continue to develop great restaurants.
1: Thank you so much, Bud. So where can everyone find your work?
5: You can find me at starttelegram.com slash eatspeed. You know, tell me what you find when you come to Fort Worth.
1: And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Eat, drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.